Well, you've made it to episode 11 for this week of May 10th, 2021 for me and my team and the news. I'm Tim. I'm Ben. And we sure are happy to have you here again. Thanks for joining us. And what a week in news it has been. Uh, the big story, of course, is gas prices and the gas pipeline being hacked. Uh, This has caused shortages all across the East Coast, and that will likely ripple across many sectors of the economy. Uh, Benjamin, when you see these hacking stories that affect, I don't know, super major infrastructure, what do you think? Eh, Well, normally I'd be like, oh, that's terrible, but, you know, it's a gas pipeline, so I'm kind of like, eh. You know, I mean, gas isn't exactly great for the environment, Mm-hmm. You're saying this as someone who won't be driving until next year and buying his own gasoline until next year. But uh, $3 a gallon is coming this week, probably for most of the country. Usually you only see that maybe on the West Coast. Uh, but that's gas prices doubling or tripling. And when gas prices get more expensive, shipping and transportation gets more expensive. And you know what gets shipped and transported? everything yep so all the costs that go for everything from your groceries to your amazon prime deliveries will all have to go up to make up for the cost of the higher gas prices and that's why we need to be less dependent on oil that is a good option that's true Uh, at the same time uh, the fact that a major pipeline supplying gasoline for most of the east coast could be subject to a ransomware attack Um, I find that a little bit disturbing. Yeah, how does a gas pipeline get hacked? It's a literal metal tube. How do you hack that? Well, I imagine there are lots of computer controls judging and uh, adjusting to everything from pressure to delivery to temperature. And, of course, all of the computer systems that go into the business around maintaining the gas pipeline there's a lot of computer infrastructure around that. And if the computers are hacked or shut down, this was a ransomware attack, which is the kind of attack where they take over the company's computers and say, we won't unlock your computers unless you give us money. Uh, companies have gotten better at having backups and being able to hopefully come back online. But this is hit, this kind of attack has hit a lot of companies and many of them have paid the ransom because it was their only option. Hmm. I mean, why hack a gas pipeline though i mean you could have hacked like a bank the (laughs) yes or did they hack a gas pipeline specifically because they thought no one would be dumb enough to hack a gas pipeline no i think there's really a lot of emphasis on infrastructure security you know the energy grid in general has been susceptible to outages and it's long been considered as we know that rogue nations, as it were, some of the top hacking entities out there are you know, North Korea, for example, which uses hacking as a way to generate revenue and do things to other countries. Obviously, Russia and China have elements that have lots of things, but there are even private groups, and this one seems to have been launched by a private group that supposedly claims to take these ransoms uh, when they get paid and donate some of them to worthwhile charities, kind of a Robin Hood, sort of, for the modern era. But uh, if you could hack this into the systems, you know, you could cause probably more damage than you could by developing a long-range missile. Eh, 
Maybe. Well, it's a gas pipeline, so long-range missiles would actually be pretty effective. Because <laughs> it'd just be a chain reaction. Sure. Because well, I don't know a whole lot about gas, but I know that gas go boom. Well, yes, that is true. That is true. The underlying threat is the economic impact uh, that we will likely see for the United States. And then, of course, this makes other gas suppliers internationally. You know, we may have to have tankers bringing supply in from other places. Well, how long is this going to be down for? Maybe this week it could come back online. But even at that, just in the two weeks of lost uh, time, it's a lot of lost gasoline being delivered. And while they've authorized gas fuel truck drivers, which is not as safe a way to transport because when you have more trucks out, there's more chances for crashes. Typically, they're limited to 11 hours a day, these drivers, but that requirement has been waived and they are now allowed to drive more time than that because there's sort of a shortage on qualified drivers. Ah, geez, that sounds like a terrible idea. All right, truck drivers, how would you like driving for 23 hours straight with a highly flammable cargo? I can't see any problem with this. Yeah, and that's where we've resorted to with these. Like, with the you're driving filling. a literal bomb on, like, three hours of sleep. Well, they probably aren't going to be quite that extreme, but still, uh, it is something that is seeing you know, a lot of consternation around the country and probably going to hit us all in our pocketbooks, as they say, over the next few months um, with the inflation, inflationary aspect coming from that. Speaking of truck drivers, I was thinking, as I just heard today, that the predictions are for a more severe fire season in California and the West Coast this year. There wasn't a whole lot of snow this winter, which means not a lot of water melting, which means it's still very much a drought. And it always makes me think, can we just get more water from the Midwest or the South over to the West Coast to get ready for these fires? I know it's expensive to transport water, but like if we start now, if we start driving truckloads of water, building a pipeline, which is probably not cost effective from the Mississippi Delta to California, uh, can we get more water out there? Because when these fires happen, it's too late. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that wouldn't be very cost-effective. And there's actually a better method that the uh, Native Americans used. It was called controlled burns, where they burn away all the dead underbrush so there's less kindling. And then white settlers took over and they're like, Aight, we got this. Those controlled burns, that are dumb. Those are dumb. We can do this ourselves. Ah, crap. We just set a million acres on fire. Whoops. Well, no more controlled burns. Well, I think the Forest Service does do some controlled burns, but where did you read about controlled burns in Native Americans? Uh, I think it was a National Geographic article about why California's constantly on fire these days. So the precautions they should be taking are doing more brush clearing and uh, inspecting power lines to help keep them from starting fires. But it's, um, you know, it, they, they actually, I actually did hear a recommendation was to buy more window insulation and air purifiers for homes if you live in California to help prepare you for the heavier smoke that's likely coming with another raging wildfire season. Well, that doesn't sound like the greatest solution, but hey, no. what are you going to do? Yeah. Global warming for you. Uh, we'll just call it climate change. Uh, see how that goes. Yeah, probably. But still, 
Maybe someday California won't be on fire. Yeah. Usually when that happens, it's because there's been like, you know, torrential downpours for a while. But I think in this case, it would be largely welcome. You know, we talked a little bit about last week, conflict in the Middle East and how we were going to come up with a way to solve peace in the Middle East, but we haven't yet. And this week we're seeing an explosion of violence, starting with uh, violence at a mosque during uh, the fasting month. Uh, and it has transpired into missiles being fired back and forth. Lots of people are dying. It seems like there's no end in sight for this. What have you heard or read or seen about what's going on with Israel and Gaza? Well, Israel and Palestine really hate each other. And uh, this is Ramadan, which is like a sacred holy month type thing for Muslims. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Israel doesn't like that. And they're like, huh, well, we could resolve this peacefully or we could just shoot each other. Hmm, let's just shoot each other. Let's see how that goes. The unspoken part of this is domestic politics always play a role. And, and domestic, I mean, within each nation. So Benjamin Netanyahu trying to hang on to power the stronger he looks uh, with his crowd, does play a role into the decisions made by the Israeli military uh, in terms of fighting. And of course, while this is going on, there are lawsuits and physical altercations over the resettlements where Israelis are moving into homes where Palestinians have lived uh, and claiming that the settlements should belong to Israelis. Uh, all those things have always been going on, and it's always on the verge of fighting. So when yesterday there was this violence at a mosque, it really didn't take long for it to explode. But when you see stories like this in general, I'm more curious about how the teenager brain works. What emotion, like, do you see this and say, oh, okay, more fighting there. I'm going to move on to something else. Do you, is this something you really pay attention to? Or how do you just react to this kind of news? I guess I'm kind of just like, wait, why have they been fighting in a state of pretty much constant hate for like 70 years? Yeah. And I mean, I know some of the underlying reasons, but geez, guys, can't you play nice for like three seconds without going at each other's throats? Have you had any like school lessons on the history of the conflict there or I you just read individual stories when something happens? I think I had like one about yeah. Israel and Palestine. What happened is after World War II, they were like, hey, uh, Jews get to go live in Jerusalem now. And Jews were like, oh, that's cool. And then the native Arabs were like, you what, mate? Um, I live here. And then the Brits were like, not anymore, you don't. They were like, hey, that's not very nice. I'm going to shoot you now. They're like, hey, shooting us is not very nice. I'm going to shoot you now. And then they started shooting each other. And that's pretty much how it went. I don't recall any of my history books being written that way. But, you know, I'm old. It's probably part of that new curriculum. Yeah. But it's something that, you know, you look at and you say, well, I, I can't change that, right? Yeah, it's not really... I know this will sound cold, but it's not really my problem. So I don't think the U.S. should be the one to solve it. Yeah, still in broader sense of news, so many things that happen in the news world, I mean, we have no control over them. We can't change the outcome. So why do we pay so much attention to news and to what happens in the world? Eh, no idea. 
<laughs> I think there's a natural curiosity and we stay do sometimes informed. Think, yeah, it is good to stay informed and see how it affects life and the curiosity. It does affect decisions we make. Like, for example, knowing about the news means that I'll probably try to fill up all the cars with gas today before prices go even higher tomorrow, for example. Uh, but that's a bit of a sidetrack. I just was curious as we were talking, hearing hearing your thoughts about these topics and news in general, you know, how they affect us or why we pay attention to them. Anything else that you've been paying attention to in the news this week? Um, oh, yeah, Liz Cheney. Oh, yes. What is your take on the vote that's coming to try to oust her from her leadership role? Well, that doesn't seem very nice. Uh, you were okay when they were trying to oust Marjorie Taylor Greene. Ah, well, she's a complete crackpot. Well, that's not very nice. Yeah, but it's true. So, and, I mean, Republicans are always against cancel culture, but it's kind of like, I'm against cancel culture. Unless you're canceling something I disagree with, then I'm completely for cancel culture. And they're basically just canceling Liz Cheney. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, but I think there's probably some deeper things going on. The ongoing battle in the Republican Party since the uh, nomination of Donald Trump for his presidential run has been the traditional Republican establishment has been getting defeated at almost every turn. And the new Republican establishment, uh, which is led by former President Trump, is growing bolder and more direct in their attacks on sort of the old guard. You know, John Boehner talked about that. We've seen a number of Republican senators and governors choose to resign or retire rather than keep fighting. Liz Cheney harkens back to the old Republican guard. Uh, and it is curious to me whether she will be able to have enough support to keep that part of the party still vibrant within the party. If she loses this leadership vote, and if it's not close, I think it's pretty clear then where the party is headed, in which case there's going to be, you know, I think there are a large number of traditional Republicans who are wondering if they have a party anymore and what will happen then. Yeah, and I mean, there's been some talk of like, especially like at or around January 6th of the traditional establishment Republicans breaking away and forming their own party. But right now, the Trumpers and the non-Trumpers have kind of just teamed up because, yeah, sure, they hate each other, but they hate the Democrats more. And so that's why no one ever forms a third party, because it means that both them and their kind of frenemies would always lose to the other guy. Hmm. You know, like, if Trumpers and anti-Trumpers split into two different parties, then they'd Democrats split. would always win. Yeah, they'd split the vote. But what's the point of winning if you don't get to have a government that's what your goals are? It, it almost feels like it's just winning is the only thing that matters. Eh, kinda. Oh, well, that's the two-party system for you. <laughs> there might be better ones out there, I don't know. Yeah, like literally anything. Well, you know the old saying about democracy. Uh, a two-party system's better than one-party system? <laughs> no, that's a good one. We should put that on a bumper sticker. Uh, no, the old saying is that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones that have been tried. Ah, probably, but all the other ones sucked worse, so... So there you go. So we end up with democracy. 
or our version of democracy in America, which is something of a republic-democracy hybrid, which is why we end up with Republicans and Democrats fighting, but not usually for republic or democracy ideals, usually for lots and lots of other reasons. Hey, did you watch the big uh, horse racing news? Uh, yeah, one of the what? horses. You did? Eh, I saw a headline. Yeah? That means I'm pretty much as first in it as any other news person, right? Oh, uh, that's, yeah, because all it is is headlines. There's no actual substance to anything. Yeah, the horse winner was caught. <laughs> yeah, horse winner. That, that, that's how Horse I'm, winner, yes. He, he won the horse race thingy. Yes. But then it found out that he was on steroids. Not exactly. No, or no, no. anti-inflammatory. This is, this is why... Better. Better. That's why you need to read more than the headlines. But, but I don't get why anti-inflammatory drugs are illegal. Well, let's put it this way. These drugs, if you had a drug that would make a horse not get tired while it was running on a long race, that would be quite an advantage for that horse, right? Yeah, and but if, this race is one lap. No, that's one of the longest horse races in all of horse racing. What? It's one lap? It's a big lap. It's like a mile and a quarter, something like that. That's still only a mile. I can run a mile. In an all-out sprint. And if you had anti-inflammatory or drugs on board that made you not feel the buildup of lactic acid, you could run that mile even faster, right? Yeah, it could it'd feel like I was starting. Right. So those things, there's a great temptation to use those, except that, you know, maybe they're not so good for the horses. And on top of that, it's sort of cheating, those who are being natural. So in this case, uh, Bob Baffert, who is a Hall of Fame trainer, is basically on suspension. And he's had a number of horses with issues. Uh, did say that he's learned that an antifungal cream used on the horse may have contained this ingredient that caused a positive test. Um, which you can decide whether you believe that or so not. So is this horse being, like, stripped of its title and now the winner is, like, the second place guy? That might happen. So with all the horses, they take two blood samples and just for a control case. So they tested one right after the race, and that came back positive for this substance. The other one, the results are not back yet. I don't know why they're not back yet. It's been a few days. Um, you know, there's always that possibility of some underhanded things going on, but they are still waiting on those results. Or perhaps it's just simply, maybe they do a more thorough test that takes longer on the second one to confirm something from the first one, right? That could happen, like a rapid test versus a, a more deep, thorough test. Yeah, that's probably it. But like, if the second place horse is declared the winner, what happens to everyone who's already settled their gambling bets? That is a great question. You know, especially people who bet like a thousand dollars that the second place horse would win, mm -hmm. and someone else who bet a thousand dollars that the first place horse would win. Who gets the money now? Yeah, the first place horse won, but now the second place horse won. That is a great question, and there is actually a legal answer to that. Uh, all the bets are final and payouts are final when the race is originally declared official. So Medina Spirit, if it were declared no longer the winner of the Kentucky Derby, would not be the winner and would not appear in the record books as a winner, wouldn't get a little statue at Churchill Downs, but all the bets would remain as they were. So if you bet on Medina Spirit to win, even if they, just, they take it away now, you still get to keep your winnings. And if you were the second place person, you don't get to go back and, and claim a higher thing. 
In fact, I have a friend who bet on a trifecta, which I'm sure you know exactly what a trifecta is, right? Three. That's good, good, that's right. It's you pick the first, second, and third place winners, and if you get them all right, you win, well, a lot of money, because the odds are really far against it. And if uh, Medina Spirit is disqualified, he would technically have had hit the trifecta with the horse that finished second, the horse that finished third, and the horse that finished fourth, all becoming first, second, and third, he would have won a pretty penny. But he won't get to collect that because the law says he can't. The uh, tabulations are final when the race is initially called official at the track. I was there two years ago when the horse that I bet on to win won, but then was then disqualified for a racing maneuver of bumping another horse. But because that disqualification happened before it was called an official race, I was out of luck and did not get to win. Unfortunately for me, your Uncle Steve did win, so he got to win all the races that day while I lost all the races. That just is how betting goes, so don't gamble, young man. It's bad for you. Ah, sure. You do it all the time. Uh, yes, yes. My every other year trip that I've done twice now to the to Churchill Downs to bet a total of $75 on horses. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you pretty much have a gambling problem. That's right. Uh, I did see that, speaking of gambling, that casinos saw a record quarter the last quarter as people started to return post-pandemic and now sports betting being legal in uh, many states. So gambling is definitely on the increase across America, which is generating revenue, but is likely to lead to more people with serious gambling problems, which is no joking matter. I did want to talk about two other things today. Uh, you probably haven't seen this story, but Germany has imposed a three-month ban on Facebook from using any data from WhatsApp. WhatsApp is used somewhat in the United States, but around the world, it is the largest messaging and communication app that's used. And it is one of these big strikes about social media and Facebook in particular and advertisers is the huge battle going on over cookies. You know what cookies are? Uh, yeah, it's how they, it's how uh, websites collect your data and stuff. That's right. And they use it to sell you better products and do all kinds of other things to learn about you. Which, by the way, even though you don't have any social media accounts because we won't let you yet. Come on. Google and Facebook probably already know everything about you. We are thinking about that. You would, uh, you're 15 now, uh, so it's probably time to yeah. talk about getting you a social media account. Um, which one do you want? Uh, well, I don't want Facebook. I don't know, Twitter. That sounds fun. Okay, why don't you want Facebook? Eh, you know, the stealing data, lots of crazies. <laughs> you know. There are no crazies on Twitter. Uh, yeah, all right, fair enough. And I, I think you are supposed to be a little older for Facebook. Twitter, I think you can be younger. Snapchat, you can be too, though I've never managed to find any real value in Snapchat myself, but some people do. Mm -hmm. And there's TikTok. You could get on TikTok and give really give all your data away. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass. All right, so I'll let anyone out there who wants to make a suggestion, should I let my 15-year-old join Twitter? or any other social media, send it to us in our comments. You can find our podcast at wolfnews.com or you can email me at tim, T-I-M, at wolfnews, W-O-L-F-F-N-E-W-S.com. 
for all your feedback and comments on this week's podcast and on Twitter at at Wolf, W-O-L-F-F underscore Tim. I mention all these things because I want your advice. What should we do with Benjamin and social media? We'll take your advice and I will totally agree to do whatever any random person listening to this podcast says I should do. Thank you, random people. <laughs> uh, the last thing I wanted to make sure I talked about, and I know you want to talk about vaccines, so I guess the second to last thing I want to talk about is we've been reading stories about the school year coming to an end and the increase in dropouts, which makes a lot of sense. If you were at risk for dropping out of high school and this was your senior year, for example, and you're not there physically, it does seem a lot easier to just kind of disappear. Now, you haven't had much contact with anybody outside of your soccer teams, um, but having spent most of this year in a virtual learning environment, if it were, say, your senior year of high school, and maybe you didn't feel like you wanted to go to college, would the experience of being virtual make you feel more like you could just walk away? Yeah, pretty much. I take it way less seriously than I do now, and I barely take it seriously as is. I mean... I'd kind of be like, eh, I'll do the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And I already do the bare minimum. So the bare, bare minimum would be even more bare. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, um, all your teachers listen to this podcast. No, they don't. (laughs) They would if they knew about it. Which they don't. We need to do better marketing. We're going to start with your your school teachers for next year. Oh, come on. Yeah, they like to know everything about you. No, they don't. Yes, I think your teachers should know exactly how much effort you put into your learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. You sure? Yeah. Moving yeah. on. Moving on. Well, speaking of going back to school, it gets a lot easier because the vaccine's been approved for the Pfizer vaccine, 12 to 15-year-olds. And you have said before, you are all about getting the vaccine, right? Yep. Excited about it? Yep. Worried about it? Nope. You don't like needles. Eh, I've gotten over them. Have you? Eh, probably. Yeah? Yeah. Plus, like, which am I more afraid of? Needle or deadly pandemic? Hmm. You know? Any of your soccer friends or anybody else talk about whether they want to get the vaccine? Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to them this week at all, but maybe. Yeah, too busy grunting at each other while you run down the field and kick something. Yeah, that's pretty much soccer. That that sums it up right there. Yeah. Big game tonight, soccer game tonight. You excited for that? Yep. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is a very riveting way to talk about soccer. Yep. (laughs) So, before we go, I want to remind everyone that this podcast, like many top podcasts, is created and optimized using Post by Futuri. If you'd like to find out more, just go to Futuri.com and search for Post, and you can create your own podcast that will be equally riveting as this one. You could even talk about soccer. Very exciting. Benjamin is very excited talking about soccer. Kick heavy things. Actually, I guess the ball's not heavy. Not really. Run into people and kick things. That's soccer, right? Yep. There you go. So for this week, this second full week of May 21, 2021, thank you for joining us on me and my team and the news. I'm Tim. I'm Ben. And goodbye.